Hi, this is Bill Hoppe, Buffalo Sabres beat reporter, and I'm joined by Nick Sabato, sports editor of the Niagara Gazette and Buffalo Bills beat reporter, and this is episode two of Buffalo Press Box. Thank you for joining us. Nick, that was uh, a gut-wrenching loss for the Bills, for really the whole community. I mean, you could you could feel it that night and the next morning. People were just, just beside themselves. Uh, just, I think... Number one, people want to know what happened to Josh Allen because it, it's it's a hard thing to rank, but that might have been the worst game of his career. He was making some ill-advised decisions, and it just it wasn't up to his usual standards, not even close. Just what happened to him on Monday? Yeah, that was probably his worst game since maybe his first or second mm-hmm. year. I can't recall a game. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe the Falcons game at the end of 2021. He had a three picks, but that was a snowy, blustery day. This was... In prime time, um, it was it was a bad performance. Um, the Jets' defense is very very good. The defensive line is very good. They have two good corners. Um, but he was like a he was like a a home run hitter. He was like a Mark McGuire. He could have instead of hitting singles and doubles and moving base runners right. over, he was swinging for the fences. Mm-hmm. I mean, all three of those interceptions were on him. There was no. The receiver didn't run the wrong route. He didn't fall. He, the first one, he it was third and eight. He had a chance to run. He probably had 15, 20 yards in front mm-hmm. of him. He did. And he just uncorked one deep. And there, there was Deontay Hardy A was double covered. And two, wasn't anywhere near him. Um, the second one, almost kind of the same deal. He, he just unloaded and he didn't have to. Um, and then the third one was a matter he had Dalton Kincaid underneath. Um, I think he probably had Stefan Diggs on the back side, and he tries to force it to Gabe Davis, and there's three defenders there. He, he just he didn't have to do it. Um, and I think maybe right now it's it's uh, just a matter of he's got that big arm. He's so capable of making those big plays. It's hard for a guy like him to take the underneath stuff, to, to nickel and dime, mm-hmm. and that's what the Jets wanted him to do. They wanted him to, to take those risks knowing that he he might bite because he's a gambler. Um, but, you know, that's the great quarterbacks just have to have to take what's given to him, um, and he didn't. Amazing. I think people could live with the first interception. It was early in the game. It was like a, a really good punt. But the decision-making at critical times, I, I think people were kind of – perplexed that he, he just he, he didn't get out of it early um you know you know there's gonna be bad throws but I think at crunch time he still wasn't he, he still wasn't his normal self I mean is, is there any cause for concern I guess I, I I mean sitting here having watched the Bills most of my life I mean the great quarterbacks I mean they're gonna get out of it but I mean do you see any cause for concern that 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 teams have found a weak spot in Josh Allen they can force him to do things or do you expect him to shake this off well, the concern is like it's not the first time, right? Right. Like, it, this is this is almost a recurring recurring theme. He had a couple um, in the in the AFC Wild Card game against the Dolphins that um, you know they they overcame. He had a couple of bad throws there. Um, I think against the Rams, he had two picks in the season opener. Mm-hmm. He's and he's. He's thrown some of the, I think he's got the most interceptions in the NFL over the last two years, even yes. coming into Monday. Um, I don't think it's a cause for concern, but he's got to adjust his game. I mean, if you look at it, the Bills, 
people made a big deal that the Bills played that that too high safety look against Patrick Mahomes and made him take the underneath stuff. And that's how they beat them in Arrowhead two years in a row. Well, that's what teams are going to do to Josh now. And he's got to he's got to adjust to that. And if he doesn't, it's going to be a rough year. Yeah. But he's paid what he's paid for for a reason. He's a smart guy. Um I think he's going to adjust to it. Um but it's got to happen. I think um what what we've seen now is when he has a game like that, he's going to go into the press room. He's going to say it's my fault. Mm-hmm. Um the loss is on me. I got to be better. And that's great. It's great accountability. But we know what's going to happen now. It, it's it's almost it's almost uh hollow. Mm-hmm. Um and right now we have we have some some audio from Josh from this week uh, that we'll play here right now. You know, internally, just understanding the game, understanding situations, um, and making that a point of emphasis on on game day, and um, let it get away from me this last game. And again, I don't, I'm not going to let it affect me going forward. You know, as a quarterback in this league, and, and the best ones are able to kind of put them this behind them, but take away you know, lessons from it, um, but not let it affect how they play the next game in a negative way. So, um, again, trying to use it to my advantage and, and learn from it. It's not the first time I've thrown three. Um, and, you know, barring how long I, I play in this league, hopefully it's a long time. It might not be the last I ever throw three. So, again, just trying to put it behind me and focus on playing smart ball and, um, you know, putting this team in situations to, to win football games. Okay, so, you know... <laughs> It's kind of the same thing, same thing weekly with them, um, but he he's got a chance this week against the Raiders team. They've got a pretty decent pass rush, mm-hmm. um, but no one to start. If he doesn't play well, I think I think some people are going to be pulling their hair out. And I know there's there's already some people calling for Kyle Allen. Uh, Good grief! I I don't, I don't <laughs> think they're going to like what they hear if he picks up the phone. Oh my goodness! Uh, he'll get out of it. There's a, you don't make what he we've had enough of a sample size of him right. to know kind of what he is. Mm-hmm. But over the last three years, there's a lot of interceptions. So is he the guy who throws a lot of touchdowns, or is he the guy who throws a lot of interceptions? I mean, we gotta we gotta figure that out over the the next few weeks here. You know, you, you talk about adjusting, and one thing that he's never adjusted to is just. Getting at it when he when he runs, he he doesn't go out of bounds easily. He doesn't slide as much as he should, and we saw it. I mean, that's part of why you know this area Bills fans love him because he just just he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't care. He's going to take that hit. He's going to go for that extra yard. I mean, we've seen him hurdle guys. I mean, that hurdle against the Vikings five years ago was almost iconic. But he, he's taking a lot of hits. It, it, is he, in your opinion, is he just taking too many hits for, I mean, really for the most part, I mean, he's going to, he might get an extra yard or two. I mean, is it really worth it? I guess. Well, I, I don't, whether it's worth it or not, I think that's just who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, he, like you can't put a saddle on a, on a Mustang. <laughs> um, I, I, that's, it's, it's always the, the, the pull with those, the, the running quarterback is if he can't run so much, he's gonna get hurt. He's gonna get hurt. Well, that's who he is. Mm-hmm. Like you, if you if you tell him not to run, you're gonna take away a pretty important element of his game. Oh yeah. And I, I don't. 
Eventually, he's going to get hurt doing it. Yeah, we mentioned that last week. I mean, it's the NFL. It's going to happen at some point. Is it worth it? Probably not at the end, you know, some of those runs. But that's who he is. I don't think, I don't think it's ever going to change drastically. Okay, Nick, the offense as a whole on Monday just wasn't very good. I mean, they did have a, a couple nice drives, but the first down offense was just horrid. Um, what happened, in your opinion, on first down? The Jets had some sacks. I mean, it just wasn't uh, – they were putting themselves in a hole early on offense all the time. Yeah, so the Bills had 28 first down snaps. They averaged 3.2 yards per play. All five sacks came on first down. That's amazing. Nine nine negative plays on first down. All three accepted offensive penalties were on first down. <laughs> um, that just kills that kills the momentum of the drive. I mean, not every one of those those negative plays or sacks or whatever that was on the first play of the drive, but on first down, if you're putting yourself in a hole, it it changes what you're going to do the next two plays, and you know usually Josh is a guy who can overcome that. We're so used to. Um, anybody who lived through the drought can remember. Well, if it's if it's third and ten, you, you just just send out the punt team, and right. that's, that's what's going to come. <laughs> but you know now it doesn't matter if it's third and twenty. You're, you're relatively confident that they that they can pick it up with Josh Allen. Um, but you're you're putting yourself in a hole against a defense that that's that good. And you know if it's third and fifteen, third and ten. Then they can sit. They can sit back in that too high look and just mm-hmm. do what the Bills do and play everything underneath, and that's what happened. Um, I think um, some of it is Josh. He needs to take some of the easier stuff underneath. Um, some of it is um, the Bills collectively need to find a way to get Gabe Davis more involved. He had one catch for twenty six yards. That's just not enough. Um, and the Jets kind of kept everything outside the numbers. I think, you know, you bring in Dalton Kincaid, you have Dawson Knox. Um, you have those guys for a reason, you know. They're, they're guys that can work the middle of the field, and I think the Bills need to figure out a way to do that going forward. Should they give the ball to James Cook more on first down, in your opinion? I mean, the, the Bills have been a team the last few years. They don't run the ball a ton. They haven't had that big feature back. I think a lot of people think James Cook could be that, you know, big back they've been lacking. Uh should they give him a little, just, you know, say we're going to give him X amount of carries and try to give him that ball, especially early on first down? Well, so, I mean, James Cook was a mixed bag the other night. I mean, he had some some really nice runs. He also had some runs where he was tackled on the backfield before he could even get going. Mm-hmm. And I, is that an indictment of the offensive line? I don't know. I, the offensive line is better than it was last year. The Jets' defensive line is just very good. I think Quinn and Williams had... 11 or 12 tackles like he's really good mm-hmm. i think they sh- surprised a lot of people i think people knew they were pretty good but i think they really sent a message yeah um so i mean we'll find out this week the raiders have have, have another good pass rush with uh, max crosby um so we'll, we'll find out what the story with the offensive line is but i mean james cook i mean when you're getting you're getting tackled as soon as you get the ball it's, it's kind of tough to get going and then <laughs> if you're going to do that what, what are you running the ball for right now the Bills' run defense, on the other hand, wasn't wasn't too hot. I mean, they gave up that that huge 80, 80 some yard run when the they had them pinned back, the Jets pinned back deep in their own territory. Just what did you make of the run defense on Monday? 
Well, aside from the Jets' first offensive play of the game, which was Brees, I think Brees Hall had like a 20, 25-yard run, and then the 83-yard run, I thought they were fine. Um, mm-hmm. You take away even just that 83-yard run, and they had like less than 90 yards rushing. Uh, the problem is they've given up some of those long runs in the past, and I think when they've given up a 50-plus-yard run over the last three seasons, they're 1-4. And it, you know, they've given up, you know, five of those runs. You know, it's, okay, five. What, what's the big deal? It's, it's when that happened, right? Um, the other night, they're pinned deep. Josh just got intercepted. They've got the Jets at the four-yard line. Zach Wilson is the quarterback. They haven't really been able to get anything going. And all of a sudden, he pops a big run. They get a field goal out of it. That kind of gives the Jets a little bit of life. Oh, for sure. If, if they just, if they get them to go three and out or even, what, if it's a punt, I think that that changes the dynamic a little bit, but you give that offense a little, a little confidence. You give Wilson, who has not had a confidence, you know, a, a, an inspiring career so far. <laughs> you, you know, you don't want to give somebody like that confidence, and they did. They kind of let him stay in the game a little bit. You know, Josh gets intercepted. They've got some momentum. If you just snuff snuff out that drive, you can. It's pretty easy to steal it back. But all of a sudden. All right, Josh gets intercepted while they're driving. Hall breaks an 85-yard run. Even if they get a field goal out of it, now they're now they're feeling pretty good, and that's that's tough. They got to figure out how to kind of snuff out some of those runs. So, some people have pointed out that, uh, quite honestly, Jordan Poyer did not look good on that play. Uh, you know, just the safeties uh, in general. Uh, just have you seen anything from Jordan Poyer that makes you think he has lost a step? Um. Maybe, probably. He's he's 32. He's not what he used to be. Um, I think from what McDermott said after the game, uh, I spoke to Terrell Bernard in the locker room after the game. They were they were misaligned on the play. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jets had three tight ends to to the to the right side of the formation. The Bills never adjusted. Um, so I think that was obviously a big part of it. I mean, the ball is snapped and they've got five guys blocking two. Good luck. <laughs> Um, and that's that's kind of what happened, um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's a reason. Poyer came back on what a two two year, ten million dollar deal. Mm-hmm. There's a reason. Um, there's a there's a reason he's still in Buffalo. To be honest with you, because I think he left that final game against the Bengals thinking he was done, that he was going to get a big deal, and he, it didn't come. Right. And even even when they extended him previously. It didn't cut like it, he didn't get the big money. Um, and he only got a two year extension. So I know he's a fan favorite, but and he's he's a good player. And he's we I think we we saw last year how tough he is. He's tough as nails. Um but he's not this, you know, future Hall of Fame type player. He's he's a very good player, but he's has some deficiencies. You're right, Nick. I mean, he certainly, it seemed like he was gone. And when he hit the market or explored the market, it just, <laughs> there just wasn't the offer out there that he wanted. But still, as you say, still, I mean, maybe he's lost a step, but even at whatever he is now, I mean, he's still a very good safety. Now, the pass rush, uh, were they effective in your opinion? Because the Jets just aren't good at protecting the quarterback or are they for real? Because we saw them 
get to the quarterback a couple times. I mean, Leonard Floyd had that sack of Aaron Rodgers early. Um, he he looked good early. Just what, what did you make of the Bills' pass rush? So that's that's one of the things I think we're going to find out this week as well. So the the Jets' offensive line is not very good, right? Um, but the Bills' pass rush might be pretty good. And if we think about it, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get hurt. That might have actually worked out better for the Bills because they're going to throw. If Aaron Rodgers is in the game, they're going to throw the ball more than twenty-one times. Oh, for sure. And they were getting after him the first few plays. Now he's obviously a very smart guy. He's going to find ways to adjust. But they were getting after him in just the first couple of plays. Um, so I mean, we're going to find out. And Greg Rousseau, I thought looked good, and that's that's a that's a big thing because they need to find out whether he's that double-digit sack guy or he's just going to be that eight-sack guy for his career. Uh, they need him to be that double-digit sack guy. He doesn't have to get, you know, 20. He doesn't have to get 15, but <laughs> that 10, 12, they mm-hmm. need that. Um, I thought Leonard Floyd looked good. He looked worth the money they're paying him. Um, I thought Ed Oliver looked good at times. So, I mean, that's a, I think it's a will-see kind of deal, but I think it was encouraging the other night. All right, Nick, the Raiders coming off a big week one win against the Broncos. If the Bills go 0-2, I mean, I don't I don't want to think about what's going to happen in this area, how uh, disappointed, angry, uh, whatever the pick-your-word Bills fans are going to be. I mean, they could be in a big hole early. Lock the doors to the rooftops. Yeah, basically. Um, just what do you make of this matchup? Because traditionally the Raiders have given the Bills a hard time. Uh I think people think of the Raiders' recent play, and they they don't think of them as as really that great a team. But I mean, they're pretty decent. What do you make of the Raiders? Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to stop Josh Jacobs. He's one of the best running backs in the league. Um, the Bills tend to rise up against those guys. Uh, you think of what they did to, to Derrick Henry last year, what they mm-hmm. did to Nick Chubb last year. Um, Delvin Cook got got free for an eighty-one yard touchdown run last year, but otherwise. They handled him pretty well. Um, another one of those runs. You know. um, there's no reason to think that they can't stop him. They, they have to prove that they can. But um, and then you know Jimmy Garoppolo is a capable quarterback, but is he going to go and throw for 300, 350 yards? I, I don't think so. Um, so it's a it's a very winnable game. The Bills look. It's another one of those games where they lost three games last year by eight points total. They lose they lose in overtime when their star quarterback has the worst game of his career. And they lost in a punt return. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Bills are good. They've got good players still. It's a matter of can Josh bounce back? Can they find the right formula offensively, the right balance? Um it's their game. I think it's it's the Bills' game to lose. Well, certainly at home they should win, in my opinion. Do you have a prediction? I think the Bills will win. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they won by, by more than one score, but I'm not a big prediction guy. All right, all right. Well, one of these days we'll get one out of you, all right? Maybe, and we'll see. With the score. I mean, I went, I think I said 24-20 last week. Did I say that? I can't even remember. I think so. You were <laughs> I was, close. I was kind of close. Of course, wrong team, but whatever. You're 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 you're, uh, you're the Swami. Yes. 
Yeah, I don't know what Chris Berman thought of that game. I know, he, I think he was a Jets fan growing up, and now he's kind of changed to the Bills, I guess. So I wonder what he thought of Monday's game. I wonder what Jake Armstrong thought of Monday's game. He's a he's a a former Giants fan, and when he moved to to the to Buffalo or I guess Lewiston to coach Niagara in the late eighties, um, he was converted to a Bills fan. Really? Because he was he was adrift because. The Giants broke his heart when they traded Fran Tarkenton. He still oh hadn't gosh. gotten over it. Jeez, Fran Tarkenton trade. See, I don't understand the, the switching allegiances like midlife. I, I don't know. I, I couldn't do that. I mean, I've lost you know so much of my fandom. But like, I liked the Orioles when I was a kid, and I like the Orioles today. I'm not going to suddenly become like a Mets fan. I I, I can't do that. Right. And the Orioles. That's 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 some heartbreak there. It is. I actually started liking them when they were in oh when they started Owen twenty one in nineteen eighty eight. That was when I started liking them, believe it or not. It's a you, long time ago. You wore a Houston Gamblers shirt last week. You still follow the gamblers? I uh I, I, you watch old games on loop? Actually I, I do I have it's funny you said that I have watched old gamblers games on YouTube and they were they were wildly entertaining and apparently they would have they were good enough they could have played in the NFL. That's that's amazing. That a rival league uh, had teams in it, uh, the USFL that could actually play in the NFL, but they were they were good. They had a Wa- quarterback. I don't remember his name. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think, but they, I mean, they were. I encourage anyone who's listening to watch the old Houston Gamblers games because they were they were fun and they had like legit top rate talent beyond Jim Kelly. I mean, Ricky Sanders and Clarence Verdan and and a lot of those guys were just. Uh, I mean, you could tell that they belonged in the NFL. All right. So should we should we should we shift to what? Did you make a prediction? My prediction for the Bills. Um, I'll say thirty-five twenty. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> Tyler Bass is going to have a have a an easy day. Yes, just extra points. Okay. Okay. Well, this week you're gonna you're gonna have to get back to work for a change. Your, yes. your vacation is over. Sabers Sabers start this week <laughs> with uh, the prospect challenge. Uh, looks like the roster is is pretty deep. A handful of of first round picks coming into play. Um, what do you think? Yes, this is a very intriguing prospects challenge roster, and it kind of uh, highlights how good the Sabers prospect pool has become in a few years. And how bright the future could be. I mean, five first round picks, uh, guys who will legitimately compete for NHL spots and Yuri Kulik and Matt Savoy guys who could be in the NHL this year, like Isaac Roseanne. So, I mean, they have, and it goes beyond, I mean, they have a lot and it goes beyond the first round picks. I mean, they have Victor Neuchev coming in a high pick, uh, who a lot of people don't know about because he's, he's Russian and, and they haven't seen him, but he's a, a legit, uh, in, you know, high-level prospect. Uh, Nikita Novikov, a defenseman from Russia. Again, same thing. Uh, people don't know a lot about him, and the, the Sabres got him late a couple of years ago, but, I mean, he could be a legit draft steal. So there's a lot of guys that will be on display uh, Friday, Saturday, Monday that uh, I believe will play in Buffalo regularly and could be huge contributors someday. And it, it's to me it's amazing how, how quickly they've – been able to restock that uh, prospect pool because there weren't just a few years ago there weren't a ton of 
grade A guys, and now they have five first round picks. And I mean, a guy like Yuri Kulik coming off, you know, uh, just a, an amazing year really for an 18 year old in the AHL. And you know, Matt Savoy, a, a legit dominant junior player. Uh, Zach Benson, uh, he played a, I know it's preseason in the Western Hockey League, but I mean, he had a highlight reel goal on Saturday. Then he comes back Sunday with a hat trick. I mean, he's been, again, a, a, an elite, elite dominant player. The junior player and I mean he's only 18 so he's going to have to go back to the Western Hockey League but uh, he should have a uh, just a amazing year there so I mean there's a lot of guys that Sabres fans should be excited about. Uh, Nikita Novikov um, people who don't know 6'4 over 200 pounds left-handed shot I mean that's that's something to to, to keep an eye on there for sure and he'll be in rochester to start the year but he's i mean he's played in the khl which is one of the league's top leagues uh or excuse me the world's top leagues and maybe he's a guy that uh by the winter he's ready for a recall and it, the sabers are starting to those russians they drafted are starting to come over alexander kisikov played in rochester last year victor noichev now novikov i mean they got a lot of value for those Russian picks. I think if the world was different, uh, a lot of those guys would have gone a lot higher. Uh, and Novikov, uh, to me, really stands out uh, most among those guys. Just that he he slipped until the sixth round when he was probably, I don't know, maybe a second-round talent. I mean, he was he really dropped. But, I mean, the Sabres benefited. They took some risk taking those guys, risks taking those guys, but I th- I think in the end it'll pay off because I think one of the one or two at least of those guys could become pretty significant players. Um, when you look at guys who can contend for the roster, I think the first guy that that jumps out is Zach Benson, obviously because he was this year's first round pick. Can he make the roster this year? I think he could get a look. I mean, it's so. Uh, difficult with these junior guys because the junior leagues they have to it's basically nhl or back to junior they can't go to the ahl until they're they're 20 um and it it creates uh, problems for these teams because these guys are too good for junior and when you're too good you develop you know you get I don't know, lazy or develop bad habits. I, I'm not saying these guys are lazy, but uh, you can develop bad habits and they probably don't develop like they would, or they, I shouldn't say probably, they don't develop like they would playing against men in the AHL or, of course, the NHL. So I, I think it, it'll be intriguing to see how this plays out if Zach Benson can force the Sabres to get for him to get a look. I mean, they have nine games before his contract kicks in. Would Would they keep him up the whole year? I'm not sure. I would lean toward no. But, I mean, if he knocks their socks off and shows he's ready to play in the NHL, uh, the Sabres need scoring. I mean, they, of course, they scored a lot of goals last year, but they've lost Jack Quinn. I, I think that's a significant loss. I mean, I think... Tage was dinged up. They Tage was struggled. dinged up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Tage didn't have the same production down the stretch. I think they'd like to trade Victor Olofsson, but they don't want to right now because Jack Quinn's hurt. So, I mean, every team needs scoring, and if Zach Benson can give that to them, I mean, why not give him a shot? But I, I would still put that toward more of the unlikely category. I, I think Savoy would have a better chance above him, and, of course, Kulik, who I think is a really good shot at making the team. How about Ryan Johnson, defenseman, another another high pick? Um, 
he he's one of those guys he kind of he was a is he gonna sign kind of guy and, and waited just about as long as he could yeah he did <laughs> um before signing and you know as a defenseman he's the kind of guy they made some moves in the offseason to add some some veteran presence on defense, but they could they could still use another defenseman or two. Oh, of course, any team can use defensemen. I mean, it. I mean, you could have twelve defensemen, and at times that's not enough. I mean, it, it's that rugged a position. I mean, just the nature of the position is just. It's it's rough and tumble. There's a lot of demands, and guys are going to go down. And we saw that early last year when. Matthias Samuelson went down, and Henry Yokiharu was hurt, and we, you know, we had Lawrence Pilot come up, and so forth. But Ryan Johnson's a guy. You're right. He was he was a late signer. I mean, he went basically. He used his four years, <laughs> and then he signed with Rochester during the playoffs. And it, it was it was interesting to see see him and talk to him about why he made this decision and why he felt comfortable in Buffalo. And I think he does feel comfortable, obviously. And that's a that can be unique when I mean he was drafted by Jason Bottrell a long time ago, different regime, different coaches, but I mean the Sabers made him, you know, made him feel at home. I think he saw an opportunity, and uh, he'll probably start the year in Rochester. But but like Novikov, I think he's a he's a guy. He's older, um, four years of college. I think he could definitely get NHL games this season, especially if a lot of defensemen go down. Did he wait too long to sign to be a legitimate piece for the future? I I think he I mean he he needed to make a, he had his decision making process, and I don't think if he signed a a year ago maybe on some levels it would have, uh you know, expedited his his development or even if he signed, uh you know early last spring after Minnesota was in limit after his Minnesota season ended. And he was able to get some Calder Cup playoff games because, I mean, th- those are difficult, difficult high-stakes games. And we saw Matt Savoy get a couple, and I think that'll help his development, even just playing two or whatever, he played two or three. So he didn't get those. He signed late. He was with the team uh, later on, but he didn't uh, he didn't play in any of the Amherst final playoff games. But I don't ultimately, I don't think that him signing, waiting a year or whatever, waiting a month or two, in the spring is going to impact his development that much. I mean, Eric Johnson's not going to be here for 10 years. No, uh, he's not. He's not going to be here for three years, probably. Um, but, you know, Darlene is here for the long haul. Power is probably going to be here for the long haul. Samuelson's here for the long haul. So right off the bat, you're behind those three guys. Right. Clifton, they signed in the three-year deal. So assume he's going to be there for a little bit. Um you know, I mean, there's there's space, but but he's gonna have to to really prove it at this point. Well, you know, but I mean, these are good problems for the Sabers. I mean, the fact that they, I mean, the names you rattled off, three horses, I mean, three legit like, you know, top pair defensemen in my opinion, and then you add a, a Connor Clifton who has had a lot of success with the Bruins, and you add a Stanley Cup winner in Eric Johnson, and, and you still have Henry Yoki Haru. And uh, Jacob Bryson, who's he has a big camp ahead of him. Uh, you have, I mean, you have a pretty deep core, in my opinion. And I mean, it was, you know, four or five years ago, I mean, they just didn't have. I don't think they really had one horse. I mean, they had, they had some decent defensemen, but no one you would point to as an all-star or a, a, a top-tier shutdown guy. And now they have, they have those guys. And if Ryan, I mean. 
Ryan Johnson, he might have to wait a while, but I mean, they have time with him uh, in Rochester. And I think, uh, I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with a guy playing whatever, uh, 120 AHL games and staying down there for two years. I think sometimes prospects have become so hyped up that I think sometimes we lose sight of that, that these guys, they can spend a couple years in the minors and that's fine. Did I call him Kyle Clifton? The Jets linebacker? Yeah, that's, he's the, Jet, the old Jets linebacker. Yeah, I think I've, I called him Kyle. It's funny. Uh, my friend actually texted me his name the other day uh, when we were talking about the Jets. Um, did you? I don't know. I, know. I, I think actually, you know what? I did that to Don Granado during development camp. I said Kyle Clifton. Hmm. So it's it's easy to do if you follow football for a while. Yeah. <laughs> so is there is there anyone else you're you're looking at in, in development camp? Who Who are you keeping an eye on? Well, the guys we mentioned, but you know, I, I want to see some. They have Philip Cedarquist. They have Tyson Kozak. I mean, they have. There's guys in camp who played full AHL seasons, had some success, success especially Kozak. Um, I want to see what they can do because they've they've played pro hockey. They they have a full year of playoff under their belts. They should stand out, and I think they will. I mean, Tyson Kozak stood out a year ago. Uh, I think he was a seventh rounder a couple of years ago, and he—I really believe—he'll play in the NHL. I don't—I don't think he's going to be a first or second line guy, but I think he could be a terrific third, fourth line guy. And he's been—he's been a terrific surprise for them. Seacrest, he's a big body. He is, and he had some success last year. I think he had a hat trick with the Amherst, and he—I um, he, I think the adjustment to the North American game is going to take some time for a guy like him. I mean. We, we talk about these guys, you know, they, they've played pro hockey in Europe, but you, you get here and the ice surface is smaller and it's just, it's different. And I, I think for some of these guys, it's going to take a hundred plus games more than a season to really, really feel comfortable. And I think he did at times last year. I think he was scratched for some playoff games, but he's another prospect just to keep an eye on because I think he could play in the NHL someday too. How about um, no? Nadeau. Olivier Nadeau. He's a he's a terrific net front presence. Had a, a standout junior season. And he's been overshadowed by some of these other guys, um, these forward prospects. But I think, uh, again, he's a guy, could possibly be an NHL guy someday. Again, it's early yet, but I think they're happy with him, with his development. I've talked to him, I've written stories on him. He seems very mature. It seems like he will fit, he'll fit in with the group just the way the group... Uh, the personalities. So I, I think uh, he's another guy to watch. Just watch him operate around the net because he he can do interesting things around there, and he's, he's a legit scoring threat in that area around the crease. Um, another another big body over 200 pounds. One of, one of two guys, two forwards in the on the roster for this tournament with, with a right-handed shot. So he's a chance to stand out. Definitely. And I think uh, I, he's another mid-round guy the Sabres have gotten recently then again it's early but these guys in just the first year or two after they're drafted they're getting better they're hitting all the check marks uh so he's another guy that could be kind of a steal I think none of these guys are are, are switch hitters with the, with their stick they never they never just change hands no they don't it's, this isn't baseball Nick I played for Bob O'Connor, and he used to he had, a, he had a handful of guys that he coached over the years, and that 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 would change their 
their sticks. So How is that Pat possible? La, Pat LaFontaine, he said, was a could flip flop. Really? Um, Chelios. They were righties, right? He was another switch guy, and then Gordy Howe. No kidding. I don't but, think OC coached Gordy Howe. He didn't mention it, <laughs> and and not to speak ill of the dead, but you never wondered who OC coached. He just told you. Okay. Um, that's interesting because it's, there's so many left shot players in hockey, left shot, left shot D. I mean, righties are at such a premium and most people are right-handed. So for whatever reason, they're starting off grabbing that stick and they're lefties. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure I, I know why it's, 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 it's a mystery to me. Um, because when I grabbed a hockey stick, when I was whatever, seven years old, I Started shooting right-handed because I'm right-handed. Because I batted right-handed. I threw left right-handed. So I, I don't know why there's so many lefties in hockey. Well, it's you wouldn't be surprised if it, if it ends up being like baseball a little bit where there's a lot of guys who throw right and bat left because mm-hmm. there's more right-handed pitchers. So you want to stand out, maybe shoot the other way. So I, I don't know. I don't know how Chelios did it, but like Gordy Howe, his his at the time that he played, they weren't curving the sticks all that much, so it was a lot easier. But I'd say by the time Lafontaine and Chelios played, they were curving the sticks a little bit more. Well, for sure they were. Pat Lafontaine, that that surprises me. I I didn't know he was he could do both. I'll have to if I talk to him again, I'm going to have to ask him that. So get him on the record. Yeah, because <laughs> I. I'd love to hear the story behind that because um, as a kid, I, I honestly, I thought it was cool he shot right-handed because I shot right-handed. So um, I don't know. I guess yeah. we're, we're drawn to people who have the same hand, right? I guess so. <laughs> All right, Nick. Well, this has been fun. This has been episode two of Buffalo Press Box. Uh, we got a lot coming up, so join us again next week. We're going to have three Sabres Prospects games to talk about. Uh, uh, Sabres training camp starting and of course the Bills and the Raiders and Nick you don't want to give me that score you're just predicting that the Bills are going to win well I can give you a score but it's going to be wrong all right all right all right so I mean what are the odds of picking the correct score I don't not not very high I can tell you that (laughs) No, no so all right Nick thank you and please join us again next week